I am absolutely privileged to share this message and to start our series on the book of John today for our summer series. Come on, somebody. So 1 John, we're going to go to 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 1 all the way to verse 10. So we got 10 verses that we're going to cover today. We're going to hone in on verse 5. Look at Javi. Javi's looking for the translation, making sure it's not the TPT, but it's the ESV. I'm good? All right, qualifies. Um, And look what it says. It says, that which was from the beginning. I'm going to read it from here. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we look upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen. Are you noticing a pattern here? This guy tends to repeat himself. It's like. That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have seen from our eyes, and we have looked upon, and we have touched with our hands, and concerning the word of life, the life that was manifest, which, by the way, we have seen, and have testified to it, and now we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the which was with the Father, and was made manifest with us. That which we have seen and heard, we now proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And... We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to him and proclaimed to you that God is light. Someone shout God is light. God is light and in him there is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, look how everybody got quiet. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, last verse of this chapter. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And for those last verses, I'm going to kind of piggyback up next week. I'm going to pick up on it next week because it really ties into chapter 2. When we read this, but we're going to hone in on verse five through seven. And my title is simply this, the light of Christ. Look at the person next to you. Tell them the light of Christ. Come on. I need you to say with a little bit more vigor. Tell them the light of Christ. Come on. Look at the person next to you. Tell them you're my neighbor for the, for the day. All right. You're my neighbor. Tell them, tell them you're my neighbor. Say neighbor. Get used to me. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Say neighbor. Get used to me. I'm going to be tapping you on the shoulder. All right. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. Oh, so grateful, Lord Jesus, for what you are doing in our hearts and in our minds. I thank you for this word, God, that, that John wrote this so many years ago, thousands of years ago. And it is still alive and true today. And that in the same way that it transformed and impacted lives years ago, it is still impacting and transforming lives today. Thank you for the summer. Thank you for this amazing tan that you've given me. And thank you for that I'm married to the hottest woman on the planet. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God a shout of praise one more time? Amen. Um, You know, one of the things that you'll pick up on in the book of John is that you would continuously see in the book of John a pattern, even to the point of redundancy. Like John is going to repeat himself over and over. I became familiar with the letters of John. And what you will see in the book of John is that John is going to continue to repeat himself over and over and over again. Parents, does this sound familiar? Mm-hmm, right? So, like, I know that as a parent, I mean, I've been a parent now for 17 years. Bishop will be 17 years old next month. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll be 17 years old. So I've been a parent for 17 years, but he was a young. And if you know anything about a parent, you are a professional repeater. You are constantly repeating yourself as a parent. Any parents know what I'm talking about? This is, this is every single day. You're constantly repeating yourself. You're saying, I'm looking at Bishop when he was growing up, at, and, it, and it just lasts for years, repeating yourself, repeating yourself, repeating yourself. And I remember Bishop, as a young kid, I had to repeat myself, asking, ask him the same questions over and over. Bishop, did you wash your hands? Parents know what I'm talking about? Like, Bishop, did you, like, you just say it over and over. It doesn't get old. Bishop, did you wash your hands? Hey, did you wash your hands? Hey, did you, you use the bathroom? Hey, did you wash your hands? Hey, did you wash your hands? How about, how about this? Hey, did you flush the toilet? You know what I mean? Like, and, and why? Not because I want to be an annoying parent. It's because you repeat what is important. You repeat something that you want to get the message across. You repeat what's it, what is essential and, and, and this is why you repeat yourself as a parent. The same reason Lisa repeats herself with me because she wants to share with me what's most important. So I'm like, yo, Bishop, did you wash your hands? Because I love him. Now, Lisa repeats herself with me and she's like, baby, did you wash your hands? Did you flush the toilet? To which I say, Lisa, I am a grown man. Stop asking me if I wash my hands. I am a grown, she's like, baby, baby, I'm not trying to, I'm just, I'm just, I just want to know, did you wash it? I'm like, baby, don't, baby, I'm a grown man. I'll be right back. Hold on. <laughs> but she shares what's most important to her. She shares something that she wants to get the message across. And I want to, I want to show you how this is also the heart of John. That John is continuously sharing, God, John is continuously repeating himself over and over again. Why? Because he wants to share with his audience what's most important. He wants to share with you what's most essential. Sometimes you'll hear John repeating himself to the degree that you'll be like, John, we get the point, you just sound redundant. And so in the book of John, what we're going to see is that John is going to use terms like in the beginning. And he'll say in the beginning over and over again, approximately seven to eight times, he'll say in the beginning. He'll use terms and themes and he'll repeat himself in talking about light and darkness over and over again. He'll also repeat himself and he'll talk about fellowship with one another. He's going to repeat that over and over again. And so as we're going through the letter of John, you're going to hear this and you're going to be like, didn't Pastor Rowe cover that like two weeks ago? Because we're going to go through nine weeks. And what you're going to see is just John repeating himself over and over again because he wants to make clear that you don't miss out on what's most important. And so he'll tell you again, hey, you, you, you'll hear him preach about loving God and loving people and how they are not separate from one another. John is writing this letter at his old age. He's approximately um, at, a, at the oldest age, probably the, the, the late, one of the latest books that he writes, one of the latest letters that he writes. And he want, he's like, I don't got time to waste here. I got to let you know what's most important. I got to be clear and concise and direct and I got to make sure that you hear what's most important he's constantly going to repeat himself and what I find true in the book of John I also find true in all the Bible that when you see someone repeating themselves it's because he's trying to serve you a reminder of what we have a tendency to forget See, I know this in the book of John to be true, and I know this also in the Bible to be true, that, 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 that the author will often repeat himself because he wants to serve you as a reminder of what we have the propensity to forget over and over. And so I love that because it also speaks to us about the God that we serve, that the God that we serve is a God that's not just going to speak once and expect you to get it just once. As a loving father and as a loving nurturer, you know that you have to repeat yourself until your point is made clear. And I love that about our God, that God, like, listen, if you ever felt like you missed it, if you ever felt like it went over your head, if you ever felt like you just forgot, if you ever felt like you lost sight of what was most important, I want to give you good news today because the God that we serve is committed to repeating himself and he's going to remind you and he's going to speak over and over and over again until you get it. And maybe you thought he was a God of a one chance or a second chance, but I have an issue with that because God is not a God of a second chance. God is not a God that just speaks once. He's a God of a second chance, a third chance, 
chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a sixth. He's a God of another chance and another chance and another chance. I don't know about you, but I used my seventh chance ten years ago. I used my hundredth chance uh, five years ago. I used my thousandth chance six, three years ago. But I'm letting you know that he's a God of another chance. Somebody give God a praise. And so John is a, he's a reminding, repeating machine. He gets straight to the point. No introduction. I love that about John because he doesn't come and he says, hey, I want to let you know that I am John the apostle whom Jesus loved. He doesn't do that in this letter. He is at his old age. He's going straight. And, and what you'll see is that he doesn't give any introduction and he doesn't give any address. He doesn't speak to a particular audience in chapter one. But what you will see is that what John is saying is like, hey, let me let you know who I know. In other words, hey, what you need to know about me is that I know him. I love that about John because John almost, John almost submerges his, his, his identity and his entire existence in simply knowing Jesus. He's like, you don't need to know who I am. You don't need to know what I've done. You don't need to know the miracles I've performed. You don't need to know the sermons I've preached. What you need to know is that I've seen him. I've heard him, I've touched him, I've ate with him, I've lived with him, I've heard him, I've proclaimed him. I, I just need you to know that I know him. Yeah. And the reason that he's doing that is because he wants to establish something. He wants to establish that he knows what he's talking about. Not because he's heard an idea, but because he's experienced a person. So he wants to establish, many scholars believe at this time that John is addressing directly what was happening during that time. He's addressing directly that during that time, many, many of Jesus' followers were spreading the rumors that the resurrection wasn't a literal, physical resurrection. That's why he doesn't give an introduction. He's like, hey, I need to address this. Like, you know, like we ain't got time to, you know, like small talk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you know how somebody, they'll just lead with small talk and then they got another agenda in mind. Hey, how are you? I do this to Maylene all the time. Hey, how are you? How are the kids? What'd you eat today? Hey, by the way, you forgot that we have to put the agenda on. Come on, somebody. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. That's what, that's what 15 years allows us to have. Right? Ain't no small talk here. He's going directly to it. He's going directly to it. He says, I need you to know something. I've seen him. I've touched him. He's not an idea to me. This is not just, I get it, you maybe had a spiritual experience, or maybe you had this pass on through second hand, and maybe you heard about Jesus, and maybe you think that his resurrection was symbolic, or you think that some of the language that was used was allegorical when it came to Jesus' resurrection, but I need you to know that I've experienced more than just a message. I've experienced the personification of that message, which is Jesus. He, he's like, he, he wants to emphasize that point because he's like, I've seen him. I've touched him. I've looked at his eyes. I've, I've proclaimed him. I, I, you know, like I've actually had a relationship with the risen Jesus. Like he's not a fairy tale. I've seen him. I've heard him. I've touched him. I've held him with my own hands. I, like you may have a little bit of doubt because it's just been kind of like this spiritual reality, but not a physical reality. But I've actually, I've touched him. I've, I've seen him. I've heard him. Like you need to know that about me, that I've experienced the risen Christ and I could imagine like I could imagine John at this time like if I'm John like I'm preaching a sermon to those around me like I'm like I'm like you don't know I was a little boy and I was just fishing I was in my teenage years and he came and he encountered my brother and he said come and follow me and I followed him all the way to to when he was having holy communion with the disciples and I was there at his bosom hearing his heartbeat I've, I've seen him I've touched him I followed him I proclaimed him like you don't know I was there at the cross when I was seeing him be crucified and I've seen him I've, I've I held him I touched him I had to hold his mother while he was being crucified you don't understand that I've experienced the risen Jesus that that the moment they told me that the tomb was empty me and and Peter, we, we, we rushed to the tomb just to experience the risen Jesus. I've seen him. I've touched him. I proclaim him. I've held him. I, I don't know about you, but I haven't experienced Jesus on a symbolic level. I've actually encountered the person of Jesus. And here's why I'm telling you this. Because I want you to experience him like that too. I love this book of John because John is saying what I have. And what I possess, my desire is that you would also. He says this in verse 4 and 5. 
says, so that you too, so that you too may experience this Jesus. I don't know about you, but he is not an ideology to me. He's not a theory to me. He's not a leader of a religious movement. He's not some prophet that just spreads good news. No, no, he's not an arbitrary of rules. He's my best friend. He's the lover of my soul, and I am his beloved. Is there anybody here that can relate to that? That Jesus is just not a theory. He's not just an idea. He's not the, the name that we just say when we come to church. He's not just the one that we have allegiance to worship. No, he is the lover of my soul, and I am his beloved. I am a child of God. He is not just an experience. He is a person that I've encountered he says now he says you you can have fellowship with him and that word fellowship is like a, an intertwining with him it's not like fellowship the way we do fellowship you know how we do fellowship right a lot of our fellowship is like social fellowship it's like status fellowship when the bible speaks about fellowship he's talking about this this oneness with Jesus. He says, hey, I've, I've touched him. I've seen him. But that doesn't make me better than you. You can have what I have, which is fellowship. See, I'm, I've seen him about, and I've touched him. And that just gives me credentials to testify of him in that manner that he's real. But it doesn't give me privilege to more benefits than the ones that you can have. He says, you can encounter and you can experience this fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that your joy may be complete. Can I tell you that no matter what you experience in life, no matter what you, what you go through in life, there is something that you can possess that can never be robbed. And when you are in fellowship with Jesus, there is a joy within you. That no matter what you are going through, no matter what you are experiencing, no matter what trial you are in, there is a joy that cannot be touched. And he says, I'm sharing this with you because something about what I'm sharing with you will complete the joy that's been placed on the inside of you. He continues in verse 5. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him... There's no darkness. Now hear me. He says, in him there's no darkness. Now watch what he says. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. I'm so glad I preached the message grace truth before I preached this message. Because at least you guys understand what grace truth is. And if you haven't heard the message grace truth, Go and hear the message, Grace Truth, is on YouTube. Come on, somebody. It says, if we, if we say we fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, it says we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as... How do we walk in the light? Say it with me. How do we walk in the light? As he is in the light. As he walks in the light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. In other words, there's something about our walking that looks like how Jesus is. Hear that. Hear this. Because we're going to get into that in a second. He says, we got to walk how Jesus is. And the way we walk, we walk as he is. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, and his son cleanses us from all See, now this is important for us to, to kind of lean in and hear this because what John is beginning to do right now is that he is beginning to kind of create two separate categories. And what he's saying is that, hey, God is, dark, God, God is light and there is no darkness within that light. So he's creating this, this, this separation between light and darkness. And what he's saying is like, hey, whatever darkness is, has nothing to do with God. He says, but what God is, has everything to do with light. Now, this is when we become so famous 
at projecting our own interpretations of what light is and what darkness is. This is what churchianity does, and maybe, maybe in your upbringing or maybe in your traditional um, church experience, you've experienced some of this where the definitions of darkness and, and light have been projected and it's only been the interpretation that's been projected into what light and darkness is. But the thing about that is that we don't need to do that because the Bible defines what light and darkness is. See what I'm saying? So what happens is that what, what, what uh, John is saying is, is, hey, God is light. You need to know that about God. That God is a, is a light. That God is like a light. And in him there is no darkness. In other words, God's always going to look at you with the light of his love. God's never going to bring darkness your way. God's never going to bring harm your way. God's never going to bring defeat your way. God's never going to bring cancer your way. God's never going to bring trouble your way. God is always going to look upon you with the face of love, with the light, with the splendor of his glory. God is perpetually looking to do good in your life. You need to know that about God because God is light and in him there's no darkness. Because in him there's no darkness. But here's what happens. What happens is that we can say we're walking in that light. We can say we're walking in that, say that we're walking in that light while we're walking in darkness. But this is, again, this is when we become famous as saying, hey, let me tell you what darkness is. And then we begin to project our interpretation of what darkness is. So we say things like darkness, oh, brother, you are walking in darkness. Why? Because when you don't read your Bible, you're walking in darkness. You think darkness is your ally. That was pretty darn good. I'm just saying, I don't just preach. I do voice interpretations. That was funny, right, Amanda? That was pretty, I heard Amanda laugh behind the camera. Come on, somebody. If I made Amanda laugh, come on. Pretty funny. We begin to project our definition of darkness. You know what darkness is? Or oh, darkness is, you know, Hey, man, when you're cursed, you're cursing, bro. Stop cursing, bro, because you're walking in darkness. Oh, you, you living with someone you're not married to. Oh, yeah, you're walking in darkness. Oh, you're, you're, oh, you were drinking last night. Yeah, you're walking in darkness. But can I tell you that according to John, John never begins to list these acts as walking in darkness. He actually begins to define what walking in darkness is. So that's what we do. What we do is that we begin to project our definition. And so what you'll see oftentimes, even on social media, you'll see it on YouTube. I know I see it. I, I don't know how some of these things land on my page, but they land on my feed. You ever seen something just land on your page? And you're like, man, this algorithm got me twisted. It's like, who do you think popping it? Like, I'm, and, and I, I, get temp I get tempted to respond to some of these things because uh, not too long ago, I see people, well-hearted, zealous people, who have a fervency for the things of the Lord, talk about light as something to expose your sin. However, you'll never find that in Scripture. You'll never find that in Scripture where Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and he uses it to expose someone's sin. And so I see, like I see that on social media. I'm like, I'm, uh, the other day I saw, again, young man full of zeal. He was like, he was like, Jesus said he was the light of the world. And you have to, and he's here to expose your sin. And I'm like, oh, God, you're so cute, but God, you got it wrong. Like, you're so, oh, man, he's so adorable. Maybe like a 20-year-old who, who loves Jesus, who just got saved and, and just has, has a hunger to reach people for Jesus. But he's, he's, in, he's projecting his own interpretation. I get it. I get it, but we don't have to define it because the scriptures define it for us. It's right there. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So whatever walking in the light is, it includes fellowship, and an awareness of his grace. Hey, if you walk in the light the way Jesus walks in the light, here's what's going to happen. When you walk in the light, what happens is, is that you have fellowship in the light. And you have this 
crazy awareness of God's forgiving power for your sins that makes you washed and completely cleansed and white as snow. There's something about walking in the light that includes uh, ultra awareness of God's forgiving power over your life and fellowship with one another. And so many, so many good-hearted, well-meaning believers say, I'm walking in the light, but they look alone. And the reason they're walking alone is because they have disconnected themselves from the fellowship. John is like, um, excuse me, but when you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship. So there's something about walking in the light that is consistent with fellowshipping with one another. And, and let me give you a sneak preview of next week. Chapter 2, he says, when you walk in the light, he says, when you love one another, you're walking in the light. What he says walking in the darkness is, he says, when you can't love one another, you're walking in darkness. That's for, that's for next week. Come on, somebody. He says, walking in the light as Jesus is in the light has fellowship. And I think one of the greatest gifts of grace is fellowship. One of the greatest gifts that Jesus makes available to you is fellowship. Over 200 promises are made in the Bible, not to a person, but to a people. And oftentimes, in order for us to be partakers of that promise, we have to be part of a people. And so what the enemy oftentimes does is that he disconnects you from fellowship. And again, if you've been disconnected from fellowship, this is a judgment-free zone. There's no, there's no judgment here at all. But I just want to encourage you today that if receive what grace has made available to you. It's not only the forgiveness of sins, it's the fellowship with one another. If you've been, if you've been a benefit of fellowship, give God a praise in this place. Okay, all right, we got to go. I got 15 minutes. I ain't, we ain't never going to get out of here. I'm like, this is what happens when you try to preach two messages in one Sunday, all right? I, was gonna, I had two messages. I'm like, it's hard to preach one message. I'm going to preach two in one Sunday. Here we go. And so uh, here's what I want to do for the next 15 minutes. I want to break down for you what the light or walking in the light looks like. Can I do that? I want to I show you how walking in the light, the way Jesus walks in the light, looks like. And so on three different occasions, Jesus uses this term, light of the world. In one of the occasions, he says, I am the light of the world. On another occasion, he says, um, he says, while, while I am the light of the world, or while I'm here, I am the light of the world, insinuating that soon I will be gone. And then in the third time he says it, he says, hey, you are the light of the world. And in these three occasions, they're all drenched in context. And you'll see what the light of the world looks like. Because if I got to, here's what happens. If I got to walk in the light as he is in the light, then I need to look at him. I need to look at him to see what living in the light looks like. And can I give you the first one? Here's the first one. I want to read it to you really quickly. Is John chapter 8, verse 12. This is the first time that Jesus will say, I am the light of the world. He says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. There it is. Because you will have the light that leads to life. What is that? John chapter 8 verse what? Verse 12. Come on. You got to talk to me like, like you, drink, you ate some Wheaties today. Come on. Verse what? The light of the world is what? Verse 12. It says, it's, it says on verse 12. Now, before there's a verse 12, there's a verse 10 and an 11. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, look at this. He's saying it in the context of a woman being exposed by Pharisees of sin. So I want, to give, I want to give you the picture. Watch this. We read this and we use this out of context. We go out into the world and we say, hey, we are the light of the world and we expose people in their darkness. We go into the streets and we say that we're the light of the world and we're looking to expose people and their sin. And I'm not saying Kuhau because I love about, I love, one thing I love about Kuhau is that we know how to express grace. Look what verse 10. 
Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Did even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus spoke to people once more and said, I am the light of the world. Did you see it? Jesus is like, the Pharisees come and say, hey, Jesus, I want to I point you this woman to you. But we need, we're showing you we're the light of the world. We're going to expose because the light exposes darkness. We're going to expose our, her sin. Look, Jesus, the law of Moses says that she is to be stoned to death. But what do you say? Jesus doesn't answer. They keep, they keep. He says, I'm, I'm going to entertain their, their question. He says, you want to you you stone her? Go right ahead. But if you are without sin, cast the first stone. He goes, hey, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. The Bible says that one by one they came and they dropped their rocks. She goes to the, he goes to the girl, the adulterer. He says, hey, we're the people that were trying to expose you. She's like, I don't have any. He goes, I don't, I'm not here to accuse you. You know what he says to her? Go and sin no more. People, and I'm like, do you ever think that she went and sin, sinned again? Here's, here's what I had, had, had the thought on. When Jesus speaks over you, miracles happen. Hey, the same man, the same way I told the blind man he could see and the deaf that he can hear, and the lame that he can walk. I'm going to tell you, this adulterous woman, you can go and sin no more. Because what? Hey, did you see it? This is what it looks like when the light turns on. This is what it looks like when the light exposes. It doesn't, ex it doesn't express condemnation. It expresses grace and forgiveness. So what does it look like? What does it look like for us to walk in the light? Can I give you the first one? It's... The light of Christ extends forgiveness. The light of Christ extends forgiveness. Look at the person next to you. Tell them the light of Christ extends forgiveness. The light of Christ extends forgiveness. Let me give you the second one. The light of Christ displays God's power. What does it look like to walk in, in the light? It looks like, it looks like this. I'm not going to expose people's sin. I'm going to empower them to overcome. This, this is important. And so what does your life look like? Does it look like more of the Pharisees that are looking to expose sin? Is that your kind of light? Because Luke will tell you that there's a light that looks like darkness. Luke will tell you that. Is your light like pharisaical or is it see because that's, that's why it's so important that he says hey you got to be the light the way jesus is the light because if you're imitating the light of the pharisees you're just imitating a false version of light. and the false version of light is constantly and it's infatuated with exposing people's wrongdoing but the perfect one the holy one the righteous one says you are without sin Qualified, you are qualified to, you're qualified to condemn. Because what I've done is I've given up my right and I've condemned your sins in my life on the cross and I've turned on the light in your life so that you can go and sin. So, the light of Christ extends forgiveness and the light of Christ displays God's power. The second time that Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he says it in John chapter 9, verse 5. It says, but while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. While I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, again, it's here where he says, in this context, look at the context. I'm going to read from verse 1. So, again, I, I'm, I'm showing you how you're supposed to read the Bible. That when the Bible says, hey, look at the way Jesus was light. Well, you go to those instances where Jesus is the personification of that light in that context. And so in the woman caught in adultery is the time that he says, I am the light of the world. What did he do? He, what, did he, what did he do? He extended forgiveness. 
What does it look like to walk in the light? It's to extend forgiveness. What would this world look like if we were really the light of the world? By extending forgiveness instead of harboring resentment. Anyway. Now look what happens in John chapter 9. It's in this context where he displays power. What would it look like if we were the light of the world? And Jesus was walking along and he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? They're looking at a man who's blind and they're trying to figure out why is he punished? Hey, hey, Rabbi, why is this guy all twisted? Come on. Who messed up, him or his mama? Who messed up? You know what Jesus says? In the context of being the light of the world? He says, oh no. This was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, this happened so that the power of God could be seen. (laughs) Jesus approaches a person who's in a difficult situation. And let's be honest, these are terrible circumstances. This man was born blind. And when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, it was in the middle of displaying his power. Now watch this. The disciples were brought to a situation that they were supposed to approach with power. But instead of approaching it with power, they approached it with criticism. And they were wondering, what they're saying is like, hey, why is this guy born blind? Is this a punishment from God? And Jesus is like, nah, this is not a punishment from God. This is actually the potential for God to manifest his power in his life. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, what did he do to deserve this? He goes, no, this didn't happen because of what he did. This happened because of what God is about to do in his life. This is what the light of the world looks like. And here's what I say. Here's what, here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to have a check engine light moment right now. I want you to think about the areas in your life that you are approaching with criticism. That you're approaching with complaint. That you're approaching with gossip. And God is just waiting for you to approach it with power. Could it be, could it be, hear me, hear me. If you're watching online, listen to me. Could it be that the thing that's bringing out complaint out of you, that the thing that's bringing out criticism out of you. God is just waiting for you to live the light like Jesus lived in the light. And for you to declare God's power. I wonder what it looked like if the next time you went through a tough situation, you didn't criticize, you didn't complain, you didn't gossip. How many of you know that sometimes that's our knee-jerk reaction? And we try to spiritualize it, and we try to uh, mystify it, we try to, we try to make it look good, we try to make it look like, like, oh Jesus, look, why did he, why was he born blind? Was it because of his, look how light I am. Like, bruh, this didn't happen because of either of their sins. This happened because God's about to show off in his life. This happens so that he can be, he can experience a miracle. This happens so that he can be set free. This happens so that he can have a testimony. This happens so that I can get glory in his life. This happens so that more can know about my name in this earth. This happens just way more. We are so infatuated with sin and what sin causes. And God is saying, look, I'm looking to show off in people's lives. So what is, what is shining our light look like? What does it look like to be the light of the world? Can I suggest to you that looking like living, looking like the light of the world looks like Jesus? And to look like Jesus is that the light of Christ extends forgiveness. And the light of Christ, it displays power. That's what the light of Christ does. So when John is like, hey, when you walk in the light, you love your brother. When you walk in the light, You don't hate your brother. When you walk in darkness, you're just ignoring your brother. You've disconnected yourself from fellowship. And he he was addressing people that were saying, hey, yeah, yeah, but look how spiritual I am. Yeah, but you're not fellowshipping with people. Look how spiritual I am. I know all the books of the Bible in alphabetical order, in chronological order. No. He's like, you've disconnected yourself. If you say you have the light, 
the light looks like Jesus, my friend. And Jesus didn't use his Bible knowledge, a.k.a. Pharisees, hey, does, does this woman get stoned because of Moses? Bible knowledge. So, so what does your light look, look like? Does it look like what John's picture of light looked like? Because his picture of light says that it includes fellowship with people and forgiveness. I think that that's what the world needs. It needs a kind of light that'll set people free. Come on, you can give God a praise in this place as Javi comes up, our MD. Let me give you the third, the third point here. The light of Christ illuminates. Matter of fact, the whole worship team could come up. I got one minute and 20 seconds, which means I have all day. Um, I love it, right? Preachers have time clocks. It's like, for what? <laughs> the light of Christ illuminates the world around us by serving. The light of Christ illuminates the world around us by serving. I want to show you what Jesus says when the third time he uses the light of the world. He's preaching this message and he says, you, Marcos, are the light of the world. You, Marquez, are the light of the world. You, Teresa, are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Notice that he says it can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under the basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I need you to catch this. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So that, purpose statement. Remember what we learned? Every time you see so that in the Bible, it's a purpose statement. What it's saying is like, hey, here's the reason for this. So what, are the, what is the reason for your good works? So that you can check your self-righteous box? There's something about your good works that should cause other people to praise your Heavenly Father. So, so what does the light of Christ do? Oh, it has you serving people in such a way that when you serve them, they're like, there's something about you. Who's your God? There's something about serving people that points people to Jesus more than you trying to expose them and telling them how wrong they are. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Look what he says. He says, let your good deeds shine out. Instead of us shining out our good deeds, you know what we're doing? We're telling people about their bad deeds and expecting them to praise their heavenly father. John is like, you don't know, I've seen him, I've touched him, I've looked at him, I've proclaimed him. He lived in a way that made him contagious. That when he stepped into a room, the room lit up. When he stepped into a place, the place just lit up. When he came in contact with darkness, darkness had to disperse. When he came in contact with sick, sick, sick people were healed. When he came in contact with hatred, love took over. When he came in contact with loneliness, oh, fellowship took over. There's something about Jesus you don't know. I've, I've touched him. I've seen him. This is no theory. This is no religion. This is a relationship with the risen Savior. You don't know the lover of my soul. The lover of my soul will tell you that, man, when you know what light looks like, it looks like forgiving other people. You know what light looks like? Light looks like you instead of complaining, instead of gossiping, instead of criticizing. It's you proclaiming my power in people's lives. What if you were to look at your children instead of criticizing your children, instead of complaining about your children, you'll start speaking life into them. This happened so that my power will be proclaimed in their life.
what he says. This is the light of the world. When Jesus says a lamp, he's talking about a candle. There was no electricity. There was no condit. So if your mom was born back then, she would have been like, what do you think, I'm married to the candle owner? All the Spanish people know exactly what I'm talking about. Sorry, welcome, welcome back. says this is my life on earth I only came here for 33 years I've only been here for 33 years I'm the light of the world while I'm here I'm the light of the world but then he said my son my child my daughter you are the light of the world Jesus died and resurrected. And what he expects you to be now is the light of the world. And what he says is, watch this. He says, you could shine your light. Then when you can come in contact with someone else, you're not turning off their flame. Can I tell you what we're famous for doing? That's what we're famous in doing. We're famous. I'm not trying to be hard on the church right now because I know the church gets it right a million times. But sometimes I think we have a lot of zeal but the wrong approach. I love zeal. I love fervency. I love hunger. But our approach is the wrong thing. My father wanted me to read the Bible every single day. That's a great and noble thing, but he beat me up if I didn't. Bad method. Some of you are still on the fence about that. Get set free. He says, you are the light of the world. You know what the beautiful thing about being the light of the world? That this candle doesn't lose anything by lighting up this one. This candle is just as bright. This candle is just as potent. This candle didn't lose a thing by lighting up this one. So what God tells us is, hey, I need you to be my light. I don't need you to be the kind of light that exposes people's failures and shortcomings. I need you to be the kind of light that looks on people's hatred and responds with love, looks at people's criticism and responds with grace. I need you to be the kind of light that when people come against you, when people are just like dividing, you say, no, 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 no. God has called us to a fellowship. You know what has been the hardest thing for me and Lisa? hardest thing for me and Lisa to pastor a church has been trying to get people to value how important fellowship is. Like, like you don't understand that you cannot be everything that God has called you to be without fellowship with one another. Without fellowship and communion with one another. And so, God has called you to be the light of the world. What does it look like? It looks like illuminating the world around you by serving it. And when you do, church, it lights their life up. And now they see the light within themselves. And then they come to the realization, I'm the light of the world. And then I see a sherry on a stoop talked to her and even though she was serving God we brought her into fellowship now she's the light of the world Marcos is the light of the world Jenny, oh Jenny I love Jenny, Jenny didn't know the Lord, she came in contact with the light of the world 
Now she's being the light of the world to an entire generation of kids that maybe if it wasn't for her life being lit up, they would not know who Jesus is. This is what the light of the world looks like. It looks like extending forgiveness. It looks like declaring God's power in people's lives. And it looks like serving people no matter what. That's what the light of the world looks like. It doesn't look like judgment. It doesn't look like position. It doesn't look like hierarchy. It looks like service. If you believe that in this place, get up on your feet as we pray and conclude in this moment. For those of us that are watching online and for those of us that are in the room, I want to pray for you today. And I want to pray that we can fall in love with the Savior that John was in love with. That we can fall in love with who John was in love with. Because when you have fellowship with the light, you become the light of the world. If you're in this place and you feel like, man, I need that light in my life. I want to pray for you. If you want to experience the risen Savior, the way John says that we can have relationship with the risen Savior, if that's you in this place, I want to pray for you. So I'm going to count to three, and at the count of three, we, we're going to lift up our hands if that's you. And we're going to say this prayer. And it's not a prayer that is powerful, but it's the one who we pray to is powerful. So if that's you in this place, at the count of three, would you lift up your hands? One, Jesus loves you. Two, today's the day of salvation. Three, if that's you, if you want to be here to pray for you, lift up your hands. Although this If you're watching online, say, that's me, that's me. Type in the comments, say, that's me. Say, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. We're going to pray for you. We have a team that's going to pray for you as well. If you're in this room, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I receive your light and I receive your love. Thank you for forgiving my sins and bringing me into fellowship as a son and daughter. I believe that you died for me and rose again. From this day forth, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on.